And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is Justin Sherritt. Thank you for having me. Well, Justin, it's nice to have you here, and uh, you're a new guest on this program. Never before have you been on A Plain Answer, and uh, that last name, though, kind of is a clue. Uh, If people have listened closely for any amount of time here at Redeemer, Um, They will notice that uh, your name is in common with one of our speakers on, uh, from time to time, Proclamation, that is uh, Dr. Kevin Sherritt, and you are his son. So uh, it's really... That is correct. He's a a good friend, I'd say. He's a good friend. (laughs) He's a close acquaintance. That's right. So it's really a, a blessing to me to have you here today. We want to talk today about the subject of philosophy. Um, You're rather an expert in this subject, Um, but before we do, could you bring our listeners up to speed what your background is, and maybe um, you're pretty fresh out of school, uh, and what you're doing right now, and where you live, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, Well, I guess my uh, background in philosophy started as an undergrad. I was studying at Nyack College in Rockland County, and philosophy was one of my two majors. I majored in philosophy and English. I graduated there and then went on to the SUNY Albany and studied philosophy, and I've currently been teaching at Mount St. Mary's College as an instructor of philosophy. I'm entering my uh, fifth year teaching there, and I've, yeah, it's been a a great experience. Fifth year already. (laughs) Yes, I started uh, quite young. I started at 23 teaching over there. Wow. I was very, very fortunate to get the job. Where are they located, by the way? They are right on the Hudson River, right by the Newburgh Beacon Bridge. Okay, yeah. um, In the heart of Newburgh. So I've been over there for just about to enter my fifth year already, so it's been a great experience. So you went to Nyack, uh, then you went to SUNY in Albany, and as I vaguely recall, um, you've been working on your PhD as well. Yes, I was uh, doing PhD work, actually incorporating the work of Thomas Hobbes and uh, mm. John Calvin. So Hobbes is Leviathan and Calvin's Institute. So, oh, that's um, neat. So it's been great work, and uh, the school has been a, a great opportunity for me to yeah. not only teach philosophy and hone my skills, but to uh, use that as a venue to uh, spread the gospel. Now, most recently, you, I think, completed some lectures at Westminster Church uh, during the Sunday school hour, and it was really almost like a college-level course uh, for the adult class, and you were teaching philosophy, tying it back to the truth of the Christian faith. And I said in maybe one or two of your classes, I thought they were fantastic. And um, how about the response from the people? How has that been? Well, thank you, first of all. Um, but the response has been fantastic. Uh, mm. We've had some uh, really, really loyal people in the church showing up and uh, staying for a good hour and a half as I drag on and on <laughs> after church. Um, but it's something different and unique that I think that uh, most yeah. of the churches haven't had around here. And there's been a great response, a little bit hesitancy at first, maybe, because it seems like something that might not fit in the Reformed tradition or within Christianity at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that the uh, I've had quite the outpouring of... Uh, of goodwill from people. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was sensing, and uh, people would actually say, wow, that class of Justin's is great. Now, um, you hinted at this, philosophy and um, maybe a question that Christians would have, oh, you know, I'm a Bible Christian, and I only want to hear the Bible in Sunday school class. Uh, um, How did you happen to come about 
to the conclusion that, um, you know, this is an appropriate subject for an adult class to deal with in Christian education? Well, I believe in all fields of study, you're going to have quick knee-jerk reaction to maybe small samplings of writings. Uh, For example, with that topic, if somebody were to pick up uh, Paul's work in Colossians, um, Paul says, be careful not to be taken by uh, hollow and deceptive philosophy. So, yeah, like there you go. Right, that's a that's a perfect example. Now, have people asked you about that particular I had a uh, few objection? people ask me that, actually. <laughs> um, and there's very, very simple answer to questions such as these. Uh, you don't need to be a great rhetorician mm-hmm. um, to be able to deal with uh, an interlocutor that would bring up such a verse. But um, obviously Paul says... Um, don't be taken by hollow and deceptive philosophy. Paul was probably speaking of some sort of Gnosticism that was mm-hmm. uh, prevalent within the Roman culture, um, which is certainly something we don't want to be taken by, anything right. that would uh, direct our attention towards a completely mystic, otherworldly experience because we mm-hmm. believe in a truth that has become person in the incarnation of Christ. So um, we need truth that is relevant um, to us here in the here and now. So, mm-hmm. um, But there's many, many ways that we can approach um, anyone who would think that philosophy is not something that a Christian should be involved with. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I would say most importantly probably would be a, just the, the fundamental uh, doctrine of being made imago Dei. And if mankind is made in the image of God, we have a God who is a God of reason and order. So if philosophy right. is in the realm of sharpening our reasoning, then it's definitely something that could be profitable for Christians to engage in. Yeah, yeah. Um and before our break, um, I seem to recall, too, that the Apostle Paul himself uh, used an example from the philosophy of his day as he was um, making a, a powerful point to the people of his day. Do you remember that section of Scripture at all? Certainly. You have uh, Acts 17, I believe. You have Paul, um, the verse says that Paul reasoned in the synagogue with these men, and these yeah. men were the uh, philosophers of his day, and he actually, I th- believe it's Acts seventeen twenty eight, um, cites them with approval, some of their arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shouldn't be so quick to dismiss um, the pagans of the world as having nothing yes. important to tell us. Yes, I like the way you put that. Um, is it also true that um, in order to make any sense out of life at all, the pagans whether they know it or not, are in some way, shape, or form borrowing from God's revealed truth. Well, I think as Christians we would have to believe that, (laughs) especially as Reformed uh, Vantillians, we would certainly um, (laughs) hold to something like that. Um, But absolutely, when I teach my course, um, especially at the church, we talk about all of these men, Plato, Aristotle, um, Locke, Barclay, Hume, whoever it might be, Mm -hmm. Immanuel Kant, all of these men, um, they were made in God's image, so they had his truth written on their hearts. So even if they rejected him, um, in their search for truth, which is what philosophy is, a search for truth, um, they're going to unearth certain principles that are true and get us a, or help us understand the world in a better way, all the while rejecting the truth that they're searching for. Mm -hmm. Well, we do need to take a short break. Today in the studio is Justin Sherritt, and we're talking about philosophy, and so far we've been discussing the appropriateness as a Christian of being aware of and actually studying philosophy. Interesting discussion. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today is Justin Sherritt. We're talking about philosophy. So far, the appropriateness of a Christian studying philosophy. Now, uh, Justin, you just completed a, uh, a lecture series at Westminster Presbyterian Church in the adult Sunday school class. Um, what uh, people did you cover in in that course of philosophy that you that you taught to the adult class well we taught the course um almost the way that i would teach say a intro to philosophy at a maybe 100 or 200 level um at the college level so we started off with a a discussion of where we currently are um postmodernism per se mm-hmm. um and how thoughts and events they don't just happen in a vacuum that there was a movement that brought us to this current state that we're in so from kind of assessing where we are right now, we then went back to the beginning, and we started with Plato and worked through Aristotle, and then we went into the Middle Ages, and we talked about St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas and Anselm, and we moved from the Middle Ages to modern philosophy uh, and the birth of modern philosophy with Rene Descartes and the rationalists, Leibniz Hmm. and Spinoza, um, to their counterparts on the British Isles, Locke, Berkeley, and David Hume. Uh, to the synthesis of the rationalist and empiricist traditions with Immanuel Kant, and then up to, I guess, more modern philosophers with Nietzsche and Hegel. And we finished up this last week with the uh, philosophy of Karl Marx. Mm. Now, what about uh, particularly that last one? It really catches my attention. Um, Some Christian might say, well, I don't want to study these guys. I'm afraid that um, they're going to influence me to become an atheist. How would you answer that uh, concern? Well, I think uh, we're charged to always be prepared to give an answer for that hope that we have, so we can't shy away from uh, these strong atheist arguments. I think mm-hmm. as Christians and uh, intelligent Christians, we should embrace the most difficult questions that the atheist could bring about so that we can have an answer. Mm-hmm. And I found myself studying philosophy has been the greatest thing I could do for my faith because Everywhere that I saw these philosophers trying to search for truth, they would always have some sort of a hiccup or some reason why their philosophical project couldn't get off the ground. Uh-huh. And over and over again, I saw the answer to that they were looking for if they would just turn back to the cross. Yes. I'm also thinking, correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I may be wrong, but it seems to me that by studying these different men and their thoughts, it helps you to better uh, get your arms around and categorize certain lines of thinking and say, oh, that's this type of thinking, 
And uh, therefore, because it's this type of thinking, I know where that leads. And if I'm talking to a person that is um, of this stripe, I kind of know where they're heading. Uh, does it work that way? I think you might uh, <laughs> have a, a little more hope for humanity than I do <laughs> that people actually uh, follow a logical train of thought. Okay. Um, in my day-to-day, the people that I deal with, we don't actually see them um, yeah. being what Van Til would call epistemologically self-conscious, right. um, actually living out the ends that their uh, beginnings would entail that they do. Um, but in a sense, certainly that is the case. Um, if I hear you talking, um, a educated man or someone that is epistemologically self-conscious, yes. their thought will have what Aristotle would call a telos or a design or a purpose okay. is moving towards a culmination and end. And so if you can pick up on the beginning, oh, they're arguing along, say, Kantian lines. Well, I know where this is going to end. And you can either, you know, cut them off and derail them mm-hmm. or sympathize with them, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. So we're talking today about philosophy. Um, I've been dying to ask you this question. Uh, you've mentioned a number of men. Do you have any favorites? Um, strangely enough, um, sitting here as a as a Christian man, I probably have spent the most time um, with Frederick Nietzsche, um, mm-hmm. and I love Nietzsche. And the reason that I love Nietzsche is I found Nietzsche. Um, well, I guess let me backtrack a little um, about. Two semesters ago, I was able to convince Mount St. Mary's to let me teach a course called New Atheism, um, where we would study the modern atheist guys like uh, Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. And we engaged their philosophy and kind of, even at a basic intro to logic level, show how foolish many of their arguments were. Mm -hmm. And then we went back to some sort of classic atheism, um, guys like Nietzsche. And we saw that the train of their thought was much more consistent. If you were going to deny the existence of God, what is the consequence of that? What must you then believe? How must you then live your life? What should your ethical system look like? And Nietzsche's very, very consistent in that. Um, most of us know Nietzsche's famous proclamation that God is dead, and he gives that in his work, uh, The Gay Science, in a section called The Madman. Um, but when you read that section, uh, Nietzsche's not celebrating like Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris when he finds out that God is dead. Right. Um, Nietzsche's in a very, very dark place, a lonely place, a scared place when he says that he's horrified by the fact that he's come to the conclusion that God does not exist. Um, and that's a refreshing mm. thing to see, that life without God is something that is scary and dangerous for Nietzsche, as opposed to the modern atheist that kind of thinks that we can throw off centuries and centuries of belief and tradition and then all of a sudden just go on living our lives as if mm-hmm. nothing had happened. Yeah. You got me thinking, too, about um, the nature of, of God in, in, in Revelation in terms of nature. Um, we live in an area here where we get thunderstorms, and... Um, I'm especially sensitive to it because we're in radio and our tower gets hit and it wipes out our equipment and all of that. Um, But thunderstorms and seeing the hand of God in the storm, uh, it, it um, it must really scare people at times if they 
take it seriously and really look at what's happening. Do you ever think about that? Has any of the philosophers talked about something like that? Absolutely. I mean, going back to Aristotle, um, in Aristotle we see the earliest formations of what came in the Middle Ages to be called the teleological argument for the existence of God Mm -hmm. or the argument from design that the the working, Psalm 19 says, right, the heavens declare the glory of God, um, that they saw that these... Um, whether it's just the design of creation or the design of man, the way his thoughts flow, the way that he thinks, um, the way that man seems to progress, you see in every one of these philosophers from Aristotle all the way up to Marx that they all believe that life and history has a purpose, that there's a meaning to things, that it's whether it's for Marx, it's the proletariat rising up in this utopian state. Um, but they don't act like life is random or chaotic or disorderly. They think, and I think because it's ingrained within man, that life is moving towards a culmination, towards a purpose, which is strange because yeah. it does not jive with the rest of their philosophy, with the rest of their beliefs. They deny order, but yet cry for order. <laughs> I'm thinking also about beauty. Uh, when you came up here, you got out of the car and you said, this is such a beautiful area, and you were... Um, alluding also to the Ashokan Reservoir that we live near. And indeed, it is a very beautiful area here in the Hudson Valley. Um, man, in general, has this um, sense of beauty. And it's it's undeniable. It's just kind of part and parcel of who we are. And people like to walk near beautiful uh, lakes and just enjoy the outdoor. Um, what does that tell you about man as related to his creator? Yeah, absolutely. I think man longs for a metaphysics or something. A metaphysics is just a big word for saying those things which are beyond the physical realm. Right. Um, some ultimate standard of whether it be justice or wisdom or courage or beauty. Um, and even in the modern scientists, I've been doing a lot of reading on this lately. It's very fascinating to see um, scientists who will blatantly deny the existence of God talk about discovering the human genome or describing a star as glorious and beautiful (laughs) and radiant and majestic and that when we see these things, we should be awestruck by them. When they've denied the realm of beauty, the realm of of goodness. So when we deny God, we're denying, as Nietzsche understood, a lot more than just some pie-in-the-sky guy that's up there telling us not to do ten things. (laughs) Um, We're denying a whole realm of the human experience. Yeah. One of the human experiences is loneliness, um, and sometimes that's felt more acutely as we age and perhaps uh, a loved one passes away and then another loved one, and you realize a lot of my friends are dying now. Got any thoughts about loneliness and what people go through from your study of philosophy and tying it back to um, the Word of God? Absolutely. I think... um when we're talking about something like loneliness, um, it once again cries out for the uh, the truth of Christianity, but not only the truth of Christianity, the Trinitarian truth of Christianity. Um, if we truly are made in Mago Dei, in God's image, we are made in the image of a triune God, a God who, before the formation of the world, as Augustine said, um, it was famous one time, Augustine was asked, what was God doing before he created the heavens and the earth? And Augustine quipped he was making hell for people who ask stupid <laughs> questions. Um, but later on, he'd go on to answer the question more profoundly in his work, uh, the De Trinitate, on the Trinity. And Augustine said, well, before God was 
had made the heavens and the earth, he was in relation with himself. He was in a communion, the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, the Spirit to the Father. Um, so he is a deeply communal being. So if we're made in his image, we're meant to be in community. Man was not meant to be alone, as we hear in Genesis. And that's not just because, well, God couldn't make something that wanted to be alone. But if we're image, God's image bearers, yeah. we need to be around other people. So I think that loneliness that we feel when we're by ourselves is once again shouting out for the Trinitarian truth of the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking also that there may be, um, we've got maybe several minutes left yet in this discussion today. Maybe there's a, a young person today who's listening and is inclined to go the route of studying philosophy. Um, they're not an engineering major. <laughs> they're more of a philosophy major. And uh, these kinds of thoughts really interest them. They really get, as we say, their juices going. Um, what kind of courses should they take? What should they avoid? Uh, any any advice for young people that are wanting to study this stuff? Um, at the risk of sounding uh, elitist, um, mm-hmm. I would say the course they take matters very, very little, or the courses they take very, very little, and I would uh, pass on the wisdom that my father told me as a young child, which I did not take to heart until I was probably a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father would constantly tell me as a young boy, he'd say, Justin, if you don't read, you won't lead. There if it is. If you don't read, you won't lead. <laughs> um, and I encourage every one of my students on the very first day of class in every one of my classes, I tell them if you are not going to be a self-educator, um, no matter what you get from the four or five classes you take will be so minuscule that you should sprint down to the registrars and withdraw from school right now That's and come it. back in a few years when you're ready. Um, so I would yeah. tell them to read and read voraciously um, and pick up everything and don't stop reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's well, a lot of fun stuff that I could recommend uh, to start with reading. <laughs> well, I remember your dad. Now this is a story out of school and I probably shouldn't tell it. Uh, he loved to read so much that he would take a little book with him even while he was driving. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember <laughs> and I, that. And I think that he would place it on the steering wheel and maybe as he stopped at an intersection and waited for a red light, he would start reading again, you know. And, and hopefully he wasn't reading while he was actually driving, but I suspect that there may have been those occasions as well. <laughs> there certainly were. I'm sure he wasn't too uh, focused on my Little League baseball games when he had his uh, his nose tucked into the institutes yeah. or some, some work from Van Til. Yeah. Years ago, your dad came into my office. We both worked at IBM at the time. We don't anymore. And he wrote my assignment on the board that I was supposed to read some chapter out of the institutes. And he would come back months later and said, did you read it? And then he would mark in big letters on my whiteboard as a reminder to read that. The other day, years later, we were on the phone. He said, did you read it yet? And I said, well, I'm going to. I got it next to my easy chair. (laughs) So (laughs) So he was hard on you, too. Oh, yeah. He's my conscience on that. Um, So I... I appreciate that very much. Um, I want to thank you today for coming to the studio and talking to us about philosophy and the appropriateness for Christians to study uh, this course of this course of study for their own lives. Because, um, well, maybe you can help me articulate that. Why should they study it as a concluding remark and be interested in philosophy? I'd say the most important thing that anyone uh, could take away if they were listening today um, would be to use philosophy as a tool to combat the postmodern state that we live in today. 
And what I mean by postmodern is um, we live in an age where we've rejected ultimate truth. We've rejected the idea that there can be a set right answer. And we've kind of all become Oprah Winfrey's in a sense where we believe that all paths lead to God, follow your heart, listen to your spirit, follow your own conscience, as opposed to believing certain things are right, certain things are wrong. And I think the study of philosophy, at least on a historical level, if you see how philosophy has moved across the pages of time, you can see that there are certain events that have brought about this mindset that we have today, that it didn't just Mm. evolve and progress, as you hear the words, to this, but this is a regression to believe these things. And you can see, if you study the history, that the regression has really come out of a fear. It's a fearful position to be in. Um, Mm. With the the rise of modernity and the Enlightenment, there was a lot of... uh, progress happening in the world through the industrial revolutions and and scientific revolutions and mankind actually was under the assumption that they were getting better and better and they could progress and there was people that were talking that you know dreams of utopia were springing up um but then through many different people through the works of say freud and marx and einstein they all kind of told the world that we couldn't know things quite certainly and then eventually we had those two major events the world wars world war one and world war two um, which didn't seem to jive with a world that for 300 years yes. told us we are getting better and better and better. And then we saw the 20th century and what happened. Yeah. And I believe kind of as a uh, a closet for cowards we've mm-hmm. hidden in postmodernism. Instead of searching for truth, which the Enlightenment did at a disproportionate level, um, we've gone to a polar extreme and said, no, there is no truth. We can't know anything for certain. Let everyone have their own beliefs, yeah. which is a wildly dangerous thing. Oh, yeah. You know, one other thing I just wanted to add real quick is um, now you're working uh, with a school that is uh, located in Pine Bush. It's it's called uh, Chapelfield. Can you tell us more what's going on there and what you guys are trying or or have already launched really quick in just about one minute? Chapelfield is a uh, small Christian school in Pine Bush, and they've been around for about 20 years now. But what um, we're launching right now is an adult study center. It's a study center where... Adults can come and become educated on all different areas. Um, We're launching our first two courses this fall, um, September 19th and September 20th. Um, There'll be Thursday and Friday nights for two hours each. Um, The Reverend Bill Spanger of Affirmation uh, Presbyterian Church will be teaching a course on the Book of Revelation for 10 Mm -hmm. weeks on Thursday nights. And I'll be teaching a course on the history of political thought um, for 10 weeks on Friday night. Um, so it's located right there in Pine Bush. You can, uh, it's called the Dwarkill Study Center, and that's D-W-A-A-R, Kill, the Dwarkill Study Center. And you could Google it and uh, register online if you wanted to. Oh, that's beautiful. I- I'm sure we'll talk more about that one. And I think we have to have more discussions with you, Justin. I want to thank you so much for coming to the studio today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If um, listeners have a question for you, we would invite them to use our email address, and then we'll forward that to Justin. That address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Quick reminder also, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs>